Uh, hi there, welcome to the Colson Boutique Show. My name is Daniel Patterson. Um, I'm very excited to be joined by one of the brightest, most passionate, innovative people on the wine scene. She is the president of the United Sommeliers Foundation, the CEO of the online wine course, and recently awarded the Wine Education of the Year by the Wine Enthusiast and featuring in their 40 Under 40 Tastemakers for 2020. Join us from LA, Christy Norman. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us. And uh, how are things over in LA today? They're actually quite cold. I feel like I'm over there, which is strange. <laughs> it is very miserable here today. It's not quite snowing, but it's not the regular 90 degree sunny days. So it'll be like this for about a month and then yeah. we'll be back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Okay, now let's let's get to it. 2020 has been a it's been a mad it's been a crazy year and at the beginning of the covid pandemic um the hospitality industry it took a severe hit now rather than retreat you created the united sommeliers foundation now for those who are unaware it's a charity set up to help mainly sommeliers within the hospitality industry did it surprise you to see such positive responses from the industry uh, with even the likes of Robert Parker's The Wine Advocate, Forbes, uh, and Acker Auction House, to name a few, getting behind it. I wouldn't say that I was surprised. Well, first off, we didn't intend to set out a foundation at the beginning. It really started with me and a master sommelier that I was hosting a class with. We were going to have a master class on March 16th that we had to cancel, of course, because everything got shut down the day before. <laughs> and we were just chatting, and he said, how can we help the Psalms? And I said, let's start a GoFundMe, let's do a crowdfunding thing and figure it out. And so what I did was I called the most uh, important, most reputable people in the industry that I know all over the country. So none of our board, I think actually there's two guys in Chicago now, but at, originally I had one person kind of in every major market in, in the US. And we came together because I'm 26 years old now. I was 25 when we got together. And I, you know, needed the experience, you know, the, the mentorship and, you know, just the, the legal um, know-how that these guys had and those relationships in the industry. So when we needed press, you know, when we needed Robert Parker's um, recommendation and, to, you know, Lisa Parati Brown offered to write us an article, we have an yeah. MW on our board, right? And so did it surprise me? No. Was it difficult? More difficult than I thought to raise funds? Yes. Um, you know, the first month was a little bit slow. And then in April, we had our first large donation from Cobrand Imports and they donated $100,000. And that really kicked things off for us, Amazing. really legitimized us. And um, yeah, super grateful for them because <laughs> it, yeah. it just started, you know, the role of what we were doing because we had so many people that were in financial crisis and need um, you know, they've, all these sommeliers have been at restaurants and specifically highly trained for this one craft and usually, you know, paid as uh, servers or managers or something of the like. They're not millionaires, typically. That's what I mean. You know, maybe some are, but, you know, it was a very, very difficult time. So I'm, I'm glad because we were the only people that were doing it and still are. Yeah. And you're doing very well with this as well, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're trying, you know, um, we've raised almost a million dollars, which is really exciting, but you know, I, I want to help, you know, as many people as we possibly can. So it just takes more people hearing about it too, because I'm sure sure there's lots of people who've never heard of us. Yeah. And that's what we're here to, to help spread the word, you know, making more of a universal uh, matter as well, you know? So didn't you even um, get some form of like a backing from uh, Jason Woodbridge's uh, 100 acre? Was there some like form of... (laughs) Actually, it's amazing. I, so, you know, I, that's how we met on Instagram, right? Um, right. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Yeah. And on a random Tuesday, I posted about our GoFundMe. And there was a person who I didn't know. And they commented, Christy, I want to help with the auction. Please call me. And so it was 10 p.m. on Tuesday night. And I gave him a ring. It was a California um, uh, zip code, or not a zip code, a, um, a California area code. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. 
And it happened to be the, the vice president of sales of Hundred Acre Winery. Wow. And he had all of the relationships in Napa. Um, we had this amazing woman named Sridi Fusio. She worked for Morlay for a very long time, which is another prominent Napa winery. And so they sent out these, you know, messages to their longtime friends and said, help us, you know, source some donations for this. And then simultaneously, one of my friends for a very long time, who we also met on Instagram, but then in real life, um, his name's Cameron. He, <laughs> his username was Chateauneuf de Pimp. <laughs> and I reached out to him. He, it's not his username anymore and somebody took it, but uh. I thought it was brilliant. And he was in Alabama at the time. I had reached out to him and said, oh my gosh, your username is so cool. He ends up becoming the wine director at the sister restaurant of mine. So I worked at Spago Beverly Hills for the yeah. last five years and he worked at Cut as the wine director. And so he had relationships with these auction houses, um, including Acker. And so Acker was really generous in giving us part of their buyer's premium. Um, wow. It's a rolling auction. So we have, you know, they have a weekly thing that they do. And so, you know, if things didn't sell in the first auction that we had, you know, they would sell kind of along the way. And it was funny, a few weeks ago, Chris and I looked at the auction report and we're like, wait, did that just say $36,000? Like where, we didn't yeah. even know there were like things left in the auction, but things just kept yeah. rolling in, you know? Um, and it was, it was very successful, but um, yeah, Jason Woodbridge is amazing. Um, he donated uh, $125,000 from a different charity auction that they hosted they split it between us and another charity. I mean, he personally donated $20,000 of wine. They donated this really beautiful um, vertical of all of their 100-point wines. And it was uh, yeah. absolutely incredible. So, so, so incredibly grateful for them. And, you know, with everything that's happened, too, with the fires up there, it's a very stressful time. And so we're trying to do fire relief for them as well. Yeah, that's right. Because um, 2020, well, this year, I mean, <laughs> it's just given us everything, hasn't it, really? Um, and you mentioned, obviously, with the with the wildfires, who I think this is, what, the third or fourth year in a row now in Napa Valley. Um you're, you've got some involvement there trying to help people over in um, the Napa Valley. Is that correct? Yeah, well, the USF, the United Sommeliers Foundation, was founded you know, in COVID-19 and immediately to support sommeliers in that. But our mission statement is to support sommeliers in financial crisis due to circumstances beyond their control. Mm -hmm. And so that means wherever the need is, right? Whether that means somebody's restaurant is destroyed in a hurricane. Um, whether there is a giant fire and their tasting room burns down and their sommelier working at harvest or working at a tasting room, I think yeah. that counts. Like, and I've always had a very progressive view of what a sommelier is. We don't have any sort of certification requirements um, to pass. I think some people have been on the floor working at restaurants as sommeliers for years and they don't have any type of formal education you know, and that's fine for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, sometimes I, f I found myself like I'm, I've recently, well, I say within the last couple of years, taken up my WSET, um, you know, courses. I'm up to level three now, um, but it can get quite intense after that. So I'm going to put that on the back burner. But I found that most of my experiences have come, and maybe you can relate to this as well, just through tasting a lot of different wine. And that's it, just whether it's by itself, pairing it with a meal, whether it's with the company you're with, that's where you really get your experience from. Would you agree or maybe disagree with that? Or? Absolutely. I think that it matters what you're selling at your restaurant or you yeah. know what kind of tasting groups that you go to. I find that a lot of wine education, especially at the upper levels, you study so much that people never get to see or taste. Yeah. And it's kind of confusing. And for me, I don't really care how much a sommelier knows about Greece if they're not selling any Greek wine. <laughs> I want to know how, you know, they can sell me a really cool natural wine or, you know, something different that I haven't seen before, a little gem or something. That really is what matters to me personally. So mm. I think that any anybody can become a sommelier if they study the basics of wine and then they learn about the products that they have you know what i mean most definitely most definitely and it's and it's fair to say you're not you're not just a sommelier 
you you are an entrepreneur at heart with many exciting businesses, projects on the go. And as you mentioned, obviously you've got a very strong, positive social media uh, presence. And through it, it would seem that you have the dream career. You're pouring, you're serving, or were pouring, serving, tasting some of the finest wines in the world. However, that was not enough for you. You decided to take up the initiative, set up your online wine course. And from my understanding, this came about as you acknowledged that a great way to grow the number of wine drinkers would be to educate them, thus giving them confidence. Will that be correct? Or- yeah, I think the, the whole point of wine education that we missed the mark on is that we want to connect with people who don't know anything about wine. Yeah. And in order to do that, you have to make somebody feel comfortable. Mm. And for, you know, as in my experience working at one of the most expensive restaurants in Los Angeles, you know, kind of well-esteemed and really a much older crowd in terms of you know, it's like yeah. old Beverly Hills, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and what I realized was that wine education and income were not proportionally linked in any way. Um, oh. And nobody comes down from the heavens and tells you, oh, now here's this wine knowledge that be- that's bestowed on you. It just doesn't happen. That's true. And so I wasn't a very good sommelier kind of at tables because people sometimes were just so taken aback that I was a young woman that was Asian. I mean, a lot of people just thought I was a hostess. And after a couple of years, it just didn't bother me anymore. And I just knew how to, to play with it and I could sure. still have fun. Yeah. But um, in terms of teaching people things, I was not the best in person because it's a young woman, you know, telling right. somebody what they, do, you know, maybe who's much older. It just makes somebody feel uncomfortable. And especially I wouldn't do that in front of guests, right? There's sure. just no way for me to educate at the restaurant. Whereas, you know, my boss who's older and a white guy, he could probably get away with some things, right? And people yes. might even ask him, hey, how can you help me? But for me, it was like the opposite. And sure. so I realized that teaching behind a computer screen was the best option for me. And honestly, I need those people to be educated before they walk into the door of my restaurant. And it's so funny because, you know, people were just like, oh, is she creating a new certification program? Yada, yada. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to make all of you guys more money. I want people to be able to shop by by, uh, region and not by brand. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Massively. Like if they, yeah. and, And to be able to communicate with wine professionals in a way where they can find them new fun things that they'll like and not have them behold into the system of, you know, PR companies that, you know, wineries that can afford PR companies rather yeah. and, and sell their brand. Like yeah. you really have to have a, it's like a, it's like having a driver's license in my opinion. I think everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great analogy, great analogy for sure. You, you are right though, because again, if <laughs> I'm a Bordeaux lover at heart, always, always will be. Don't get me wrong. I will digress through uh, my Napa Cabernet Sauvignons, my Australian Shirazes, my, um, my Chateauneuf, the Paps from the Rhone Valley. But like you mentioned, there are a lot of people out there who may not have that knowledge where you may not need to spend the type of money you need to spend on a good quality Bordeaux if you don't have that affordability, but you can go to another region, say within France, like maybe like a, so like a Languedoc or a Provence or a Loire Valley, where you're getting, you're getting that quality that you would pay for like a premium Bordeaux or Burgundy, but you're saving yourself maybe, um, you know, half the money you'd usually spend on uh, one bottle. Absolutely. I think it's just about showing people what their options are and allowing them the opportunity to try some of them, you know, in their own markets or whatever, right? Because my wine course has been taken in like over 20 countries. Like, so I can't recommend wines for every market, but I do have, you know, the major things that you see out in, in the world. And I mean, it is, you know, based tailored for the US, but I'm, but it still applies. You know what I mean? Like the wine 101 basics are kind of all the way out there. Um, but yeah, no, I just want people to be able to say instead of, I only know a lemon. And so they're like, Oh, I, 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 imagine if you only had a lemon your whole life and you said, I hate all fruits grown on trees. That's what I feel like so many people do with wine. They're like, Oh, I had this one white wine I didn't like. So I don't like white wine. And it's frustrating for me because I want to show them the world and then they can make their own decisions and then communicate things like that. Exactly. You know, you go to your local wine shop and say, Hey, 
I love Opus One or whatever, but I can't afford it tonight. So what do you recommend? Yes. And it's so easy for us as wine professionals. I don't know if you can relate, but when somebody, you know, when somebody tells you a recommendation, because I'm sure you get people asking you all the time for recommendations. <laughs> yeah. And so they'll tell you, oh, I like this brand or this wine. And then you can come back and say, try this, this, this. And that's really the power I'm trying to give people. Massively, like you said, I would sometimes be on the phone, and even though we're doing it more from an investment standpoint, I will have a client who, well, who used to be prior to COVID, will be in a restaurant and say, "Right, Daniel, I'm in the Dorchester, I'm um, at Hyde Restaurant in Piccadilly Circus. Um, what what can I order? This is I'm looking at spending the next amount per bottle. I'm thinking, well, if you're in that kind of restaurant, you need to uh, be prepared to spend you know se several hundred pounds, but Sometimes if you even understand like a region, as an example, if you're drinking, say, from um, anything like Pomerol, as an example, you don't need to spend money on uh, like a Petrusa or a Lapan if you could buy like, um, I don't know, like a Legay, as an example. It's a funny name. People might be a bit awkward, but it's a good drinking wine and you're paying a heck of a lot less money than what you would. Um, Exactly, exactly. And you mentioned, you. I mean, it's, it's incredible that you're already in 20 countries. And even though, yes, it's more, I might be taking this out of context, designed for like the more American market, wine is a universal, it's a universal language, irrespective of if it's in a French accent, if it's in Spanish, American, Chinese, doesn't matter, it's a universal language. But for yourself, you're a visionary, where in 10, 15 years time can you see that course going? How many, maybe not how many countries, obviously that's going to be just depend on a myriad of factors, but where do you see your online wine course within the next 10 to 15 years? Um, well, actually I, I'm already working on the online sake course, which is with a master sake sommelier. Oh, wow. um, I'd like to do a beer course. I'd like to do a spirits course. I would like other people with different voices to do wine 101 like the the introductory class like i have but in their own style because yes. i speak to a very particular demographic of people there's people that love my humor and the way that i am mm -hmm. but i'm actually a big proponent of other people's teaching i never discourage somebody from doing their own wine course or anything like that because we all have our different spaces and we get to all work collectively on it right and so I'm working on um, a digital marketing agency for wineries. I think that's a huge problem that they don't have really good marketing teams, you know, doing really um, high quality work from a wine person's perspective, because I find that a lot of marketing teams will just kind of market to general consumers and maybe don't do it in a way that appeals to wine lovers and wine drinkers. And so having somebody who can like bridge that gap um, I mean, that's still, it's going to take a while for that, but yeah, creating all sorts of different courses, just having, um, lots and lots of free content. That's really high quality and fun. Like I love doing fun stuff. I want to have an entire album of raps, wine raps. Cause I love I'm, ready to, I'm ready to hit download and subscribe off the uh, iTunes store. I'm, I'll be your first cu customer for sure. I listened to Eminem my whole life, my babysitter wow. Wow. listened to Eminem when I was in, you know, third to sixth grade or something. And okay. Okay. I just loved, I, I loved it. And I always joked around about doing something like that. And, you know, I did my first one last year and it was so, it felt really good for my soul. I don't know if anybody else liked it, but it has it's an outbreak. Yeah, the only complaint, the only complaint, sorry to, uh, to interject there, Christy, but the only complaint I had, I was really getting into it. And it was over. I know. Well, literally, I was like, what? You know what? One I watched a YouTube video that was like, how to write your own rap. And within 12 minutes of the video, I was like off to the races. And I made the rap in about 45 minutes. And I just, I was like, this is it. And so I yeah. texted my friend who's a EDM DJ. And he also does like trap music. He also made all the wine course music. So like every section has a different theme and it's like designed to give you the feeling that I want it to give you. And yeah. he's incredible. And he made this track and the track was just so outrageous. I mean, it's like a Migos song. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if you listen to it. It has 
you know, uh, the sound of glasses crashing. It's all custom corks popping, like everything. And so I said, I have to do a crazy video. Yeah. And I only spent like, I don't know, 1500 bucks on the whole thing. I mean, Seriously. my, my, yeah, no, my friend, um, she was in this leadership program that I was doing at the time. It was like a life coaching program. And so she goes, um, yeah, well, I'm a videographer. I can help. And, you know, I'll do it for like 500 bucks. So I was like, sure, that's, that's perfect. You know, yeah. she rolls up with her own red camera, at, at least $75,000 of equipment total. She just rolls up on set. Wow. And, you know, I got a Ferrari for like a yeah. few hours. It was <laughs> super fun. Yeah, no, but I just love, and it, all of it came together within two weeks. Like it was out, it was edited in three days. Like we just just did it just for funsies and it was it really, really well done no honestly it was really well done <laughs> Drop that i want to do more of that i want to do more of that there, there seems to be more of a crossover between us and uk uh rap music so you know if ever you need that uk influence you can you can reach out to me okay you know, as a little cameo, you know what I mean? Little, little chorus interjection. Exactly, exactly. Just ease me in gently, ease me in gently. Look after me, you know. But um, <laughs> all right. One one thing that seems evidently clear from following your career uh, up until now is your natural desire to help and improve. Now, speaking for myself, prior to joining uh, Colson Boutique, I found myself slightly uh, disillusioned, I, I think is a, a way of putting it, um, you know, with aspects of the wine world, some of which you've touched upon in terms of stereotypes and there's a certain expectation of how people should look and so on and so forth. But based on your journey, if you could change three things within the industry, what would they be and why? I would like sommeliers to be taught that they can teach other people and they don't need to be masters to do that. Because right now in the industry, people get so nitpicky at influencers and people who are doing their own wine education or whatever, and they aren't like esteemed. They aren't, they aren't at a fancy restaurant. They don't have a high certification and people just trash them. And I'm just like, we should celebrate them. So that's one. Yes. Uh, two, I would love for the wine industry to actually keep up with technology and create fun stuff and apps. I mean, literally kind of in the same vein, people who are doing fun stuff on the internet, making cute pieces of content just kind of get made fun of and yeah. you're supposed to fit into a box. And I've just never been like that. And the thing is, if we want to engage people, like I made these YouTube videos that are still up. You're welcome to watch them. Uh, they're called Adulting with Alcohol. Oh, they're and good. They're like, good. yeah, well, they were, I, they had super low production value. I mean, it was just me and my friend in my apartment, but you know, it was a mix of wine education and comedy. And there were so many people that reached out to me and they said, oh my gosh, I learned this and I went and tried this. And it was because I was being stupid, you know, uh, and I was, I yeah. was just being authentic, you know, so yeah. that's two. And then, I don't know, three, I think that we need to expand wine education in terms of like what people will actually see in the market because we there's so much stuff that we study and we're supposed to, you know, memorize all the stuff, mm. but ultimately doesn't really matter that much. And I feel bad saying that because obviously it matters to somebody, like it's somebody's wine, but I'm saying the level of importance for us to memorize these useless facts and have yeah. this barometer. And actually I want to share something on the same vein. So sure. I did, I went to this program called 40 years of Zen in Seattle and it's with a bunch of uh, scientists that, you know, neuroscientists that put the, you know, measure the electricity in my brain. And I had a concussion from a car accident that I didn't, was not aware of oh, that dear. it was damaging to my brain. And my Broca's area, which is the area that helps you recall words from memory, it was damaged. And over the course of that week, they actually helped repair my Broca's area. It's much easier now. But I can't tell you what a failure I felt like I was because I couldn't remember this vintage or this vineyard right off yeah. the bat. And I couldn't, I couldn't spit it out. If I could write it, I could do it. Sure. But it was so strange. It felt like I was being measured by how fast I could climb a tree, but I'm a fish, you know, that yeah, expression? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love yeah that expression, and so definitely. I think that, you know, encouraging people to learn about new things, become an expert in what they want, and you can still be an esteemed wine professional without knowing a tiny bit about everything, because mm -hmm. that's really what I did. And I became a, a certified sommelier at 21 years old, because I knew how to study, because I made connections, right? But 
in terms of the scheme of the world, I had no idea. But I could, you can still get these certifications. Yeah, no, that's an amazing achievement at 21 as well, because usually people, I believe, are way into their sort of late 20s to mid 30s before they can get to that position especially you know where you ended up working as well via spargos too it was quite a quite an achievement for yourself right yeah well i mean i just saw the um the biggest wine list or one of the biggest wine lists in the u.s and i wanted to work there i just thought that it would be the best thing and i told them you know i would keep my head down and i would work really hard and I didn't have any bad habits that they needed to unbreak or break. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Um, I was a clean slate and I was, you know, I had a good attitude. I wasn't uh, very vocal until later, <laughs> 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 you know, but, yeah. um, uh, but yeah. <laughs> you said you, you saw what you saw and you wanted to do. And you know, if you, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Right. Yeah, I I have this saying of um, dream, uh, uh, dream, declare, and deliver, and okay. that's the three step process. And you dream first, and then you work backwards. Okay, so uh, long story short, over the summer, um, UK wine writer slash TV show host slash personality uh, Joe Fasserini anonymously uh, wrote and circulated off a uh, misogynistic and toxic WhatsApp. Uh, missives under the uh, pseudonym wine bitch um, and that was basically targeting and bullying wine writers trades people instagram influencers etc under the guise of uh, of satire including many of his colleagues now these messages got out Fatterini tried to stem the bleeding by contacting the targets privately and apologizing. There was some a bunch of season desist letters that were sent out too. And then we had the recent expose in the New York Times and various other press outlets highlighting the, the courts of master sommeliers and their archaic attitudes. As with many things in the world today, which requires such massive changes, which is again, long overdue. What, what do you think is needed to change perceptions moving forward, as well as supporting the individuals affected? I think people need to get loud and not worry that these uh, larger forces are going to come toppling down on them. And I know it's very different in the UK. Actually, I know one of the women who is affected, she's a dear friend of mine, and nobody knows about this situation in the US. It was the first time I ever, ever heard of it. And she told me about these messages and you know, she was writing an article that she's still trying to get published, just talking about the bigger issue of bullying and misogyny in the wine industry, because it, she, you know, it seems as though the UK, it's much more difficult for women here. Yep. Well, as in the US here, I, you know, you can still be successful and be very outspoken about certain things, yeah. um, especially because of this catalyst of the New York Times. Now, I think people are getting less scared. I haven't been very scared um, <laughs> the past few years. I probably, I, I got actually a lot of, of hate, but the, it's kind of transitioning because people kind of see like, oh, okay, like this has been the way that she always was, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. yeah and I think that women need to keep speaking up and to call it out the way it is. And it doesn't need to be emotional. It doesn't need yeah, to be bad, yeah, but just yeah. factually. And that's what we need. And we need a leadership because in the wine industry, what at least what I've seen is that, you know, there's no repercussions for some of these people who are abusive or, you know, sexually harass women or whatever. Actually, I posted... Um, there was a person who was, um, you know, just being really terrible on like a Facebook comment. I ended up posting it and all of these people messaged me and said, wow, you know, this guy has done this. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this. I've reported him to the court so many times. And I posed the question to the court. Hey, so are you going to let this guy sit the master's exam next year? Because that's what he's saying he's going to do after all of these women have reported him. Right. So it's like about the structures, there's not enough women in power, you know, being on a board myself now, I really see how much a board affects the entire industry, right. the board, what it looks like, what it sounds like is totally different. I was the only woman on my board for a period of time. We started with two and then it ended up just being me for a little bit. And 
then we added two women um, who are incredible sommeliers and yeah. very well-known San Francisco and New York. And the vibe is different. Does that make mm. sense? Even though we're on Massively. conference calls, you know, I think that it's always good to have a balance of different types of energies and different type of personalities. And especially when you're making very difficult decisions, how, you know, it's so important to have a lot of people that look different in the room. And it's, it's so, so important. And so until we start doing that and really meaning it and really taking action and not just saying, Black Lives Matter, not just saying, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we support diversity, but really, truly doing it and hiring these people and, and bringing us all in together in the same room and not at a different table. Um, I, until then, I, I don't think that things are going to change. Absolutely. You make a great point. And obviously, I don't want for us to go too far down the political, um, you know, fields here. But you're, you're absolutely right, because a lot of what you've said there has now become more of a... Um, it's become more of like a label than an actual than an actual movement. It's more, you know, support the LBGTQ, support the Black Lives Matter, support, you know, women's rights. So there's people saying it, but what's actually going on behind it? It's, you know, it's it's the the saying it on social media, but then silently, really nothing changes exactly. within the organization. Yeah. But obviously there are women like yourself who, you know, who's, again, really, you've worked in terms of building that following and you're continuing to, um, you know, build up critical mass for yourself and you're continuing to enhance your reputation within the wine world, university, that's, that's undoubted. But do you feel it would also help, not just from like the media standpoint and everything else, but... For say, sticking to the wine industry, say a figure of authority for women within the wine industry, say a woman or um, certain women who are in that upper sort of level of established, whether it's wine critics, wine journalists who make more of a stance on behalf of their female counterparts, or do you think it's also a combination of education internally in this male dominated uh, industry? I think that just by me existing, it's a protest, you know, by yeah. me being successful and just being is, you know, it's challenging to some people, just the fact that I look like this and sure. I've done what I've done. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing, not only using their platform, not everybody needs to be as an outspoken social justice person as I am. I'm somebody who really always sticks their neck out for, for people that I see that are you know, being hurt. I mean, I've, I've always been like that. I don't know what it is, but I just, I'm, it's like a compulsory thing. I have to, if I can do something, I, I try to always do it, but not everybody is like that. And that's okay. Mm. But I think that women who are successful, you work together, talk to each other. I'm yeah. in all these group chats with just women in my industry that I love <laughs> and care about and creating connection, creating community and giving out and when you've done all of those things, yeah, then you know, when you've really established yourself, sure, you know, speak out. But I would say, like, to young women who are coming up, like, you don't need to do this, you know, um, <laughs> you don't need to do this. I, if they don't feel comfortable doing it, yeah. then they shouldn't. However, um, I do believe that people in privileged positions um, do get to use that platform for good and for change. And um, there's, there's many women who will come after me, and I hope to make the wine world a slightly better place for them if I can, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, well, we need to be the change that we want to see in people, don't we? So, yeah, good luck with that. And as I said, we're, we're, we try to get behind ourselves because I said, even here with, um, you know, when you think of a, an investment broker, um, you, you know, most people assume, you know, males and alpha males and pumping your chest and whatever else but um you know we've employed our sh fair share of women as well because again we're we're big believers in equality you know so yeah we're, we're definitely with you on that movement 100 percent. but um you know you are very engaging with your audience and it's like you're creating a community of like-minded people helping each other grow and learn and what's traditionally been that privileged industry and timing can be key and it feels like with the growing amount of people getting into wine and younger age demographic that the stage is yours do you have a vision for an improved more approachable and diverse wine market and what would that look like 
I well, I mean, first of all, everybody would learn about wine because the fact that young people right now will pay $22 for a cocktail, but they won't share a bottle of $50 wine between four of them. Oh. That's alarming. You know, that's the way it is in the US. I don't know how it is in the UK right now, but for young people, the drink of choice are craft cocktails. They are, yeah. and you know, they're made with some lame ingredients. I mean, like things that have been done, it's nothing special. It's not no. terroir, like it's not, you know, um, and a lot of people just aren't drinking because they're, um, you know, there's a, a stigma sometimes, right? And you can, I want to promote this idea that you can enjoy in moderation and wine is something that you can share among people, share with friends. Um, I would like the wine industry to become as diverse as the people that are in it. Actually, one of my wonderful, wonderful students and friends, um, her name is Kisana. She is from the Caribbean and she's in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, I was chatting with her about her vision for the wine industry. And she was like, well, you know, um, I really want to, to pair Caribbean food with wine because it's something that we normally don't have. Mm. And she's speaking to a whole new audience of people, you know, and creating these pairings. And, you know, she's recommending things at the shop she works at. She's brilliant. She's still coming up in her wine education, but that's that's how we all do right we all yeah. start somewhere yeah. Yeah. and so i'm really excited because it's going to bridge this like intercontinental um you know food and wine with so many different things and i think our vocabulary is going to get way bigger you know yes. everyone always asks me you know what's the right term to use and it's like whatever you think but we just have to be able to calibrate on the same level if that makes sense so my white peach should taste like your white peach but yes. if you wanted to throw in lychee or, you know, a different fruit from Melon your country, or, yeah. I remember somebody, um, I heard this one time, um, somebody had said, oh, I think there's lychee on this. And somebody who was, I think, from Thailand said, well, what variety of lychee? Wow. Right? And, wow. and is it, wouldn't that be amazing for all of us to say, oh, actually, it's this specific type of lychee or it's yeah. this specific, right? And it's so yeah. funny because we'll say, oh, red apple versus green apple. Well, maybe we'll all start trying more diverse foods so that we can be articulate in these other types of experimental pairings and stuff that's being brought into our generation. I think that would be super cool. <laughs> it would be. It would be. Because even so, some of my clients, they, they will laugh at some of the tasting those. Um, you know, today I was speaking to one client, and you know he, you know he, he's got a an amazing collection, a lot of 100 point scoring wines, and but a lot of them that he does collect, he would laugh. I go, oh, what is this wine made of this time? Indian pot pourri or crushed rocks or cigar box or saddle leather. And I say to him, yeah, you laugh, and it does sound a bit absurd. But these these critics are paid good money to to give their opinion, and their opinion is valued, and they're educated for a reason, you know. But like and like you said, sorry, gone. As long as oh no, I'm just saying like as long as we're all speaking the same vocabulary, it's you can say whatever you want, you yeah. know. Like that's really exactly. the beauty of it. So exactly. as our industry becomes more diverse, we will have a more diverse group of people, vocabulary, foods, wines. It'll just all you know expand definitely definitely all right well on to the more fun questions um i suppose to to pick off one of your last answers there with your friend over in brooklyn from the uh, caribbean obviously wanted to look to pair that food with certain wines obviously you had your you had your song that you touched upon earlier cabernet and caviar um what what are some of the pairing by the way just for anybody watching or listening not is a good it, pairing uh, if i <laughs> i can imagine First thing you can do it's the greatest sin in my opinion oh what what would you actually prefer with caviar would it would it be um would it be uh beluga, beluga vodka or would it be uh maybe champagne or maybe a chardonnay i'll do a high acid white I, as yeah. long as it's high acid and white, so champagne could work. I mean, you could even do like an aligote from Burgundy. You could wow. do whatever you want, Chenin Blanc. Like, who cares? Yeah, Chenin um, Blanc's as long nice. as it's, Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. You could probably do it with a red too. Maybe like a really light red. I don't know. Beaujolais. Maybe not Pinot Noir. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a Gamay or something. Gamay there's so Noir, many yeah. options. Yeah, definitely. I don't know that I would do that though, because again, there's still tannin. And so tannin, the, the bitterness in the skins of the grapes, there's chemical that reacts with fish oil and it actually creates a really gross, like it's an actual thing that combines and it's 
absolutely disgusting. It tastes, right. it's a really bad, almost like rotten flavor that's created. Oh. And so that's why I say it's the greatest sin because you buy this thousand dollar bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon and mm. you get this $200 caviar and you put it together and it creates the most gross combination ever. Uh, 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 there are better ways of uh, spending money if you're going to pair the food and wine. Uh, but um, yeah. aside from the Cabernet and cav caviar, what, what are some of the uh, more bizarre pairings you've been a witness to? Um, bizarre, like bad or good? Or both. Know, what, both. Why not both? You know what I love with pizza? I just love Barbera and pizza. That's just wow. my favorite thing ever. And I don't know. What do I mean? What do I? What did I drink this week? Oh well. I mean, I I know this has kind of like been done, but Gewurztraminer and Indian food. I actually tried it the other day because Gewurztraminer super powerful kind of like spicy um like honeyness from Alsace it's just like delicious mm. and paired with really fragrant Indian cuisine with cumin and you know it's it's brilliant together because with Indian food it's very intense like you can usually you know smell it when you're in the room yes. and Gewürztraminer is something that matches it in intensity and so when you put them together it was actually super brilliant I tried it with my friend Olivia the other day and I was like this is great <laughs> Wow. Mm -hmm. good pairing that's a good what about what about because obviously you know my partner she would always cook a lot of southeast asian food but again being from the philippines and you know there's a lot of talk about rieslings being paired with southeast asian food would you say that's just more of a uh, a myth rather than a fact or would you say that's more uh, a matter of opinion rather than a fact or would you say that that is a go-to i have a very broad different way of pairing food and wine. Um, it's one of my favorite things to talk about actually, because, you know, basically pairing food and wine is like decorating an apartment, right? And there's big pieces of furniture that the food and the wine bring, right? So the wine brings a certain level of acid, for instance, or sugar. And then the, uh, the food brings, you know, charred, you know, barbecued, whatever the method of preparation is, these big things. And so really, as long as the pieces of furniture kind of work together in the room, all of the aromas, all of the other nuances of the wine or the food are kind of like decorations, if that yes. makes sense. Yeah. They're not like, like super important to the actual structure. So I believe that there's millions of different wines for one single dish, whereas some people are like, no, Chablis and oysters only, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like that. I think you can do whatever and it doesn't matter. And sometimes if it doesn't work, you just use you just drink water in between. But I've really never been like, oh, this is disgusting. This doesn't work together. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't care. And I feel like it's much more enjoyable and it gives people the reins to be able to make choices, make mistakes and just try new things. And so for a lot of Southeast Asian food, like, you know, if there's, you know, I know some Filipino really great pork dishes. Mm. I love Riesling with pork because yes. it's high acid yeah. and it cuts through that fat. But you could, you know, simultaneously, you could do something I say like you can either balance or accentuate the dish. So if you had a high acid Riesling that cuts through the fat of the pork, right. that would be that would be like balancing it, right? Because you're like canceling them out. Yes. But you could also accentuate the dish. So maybe you get something that's big and viscous and wide, like a Chardonnay with oak, right? Who knows? Who knows yeah. what'll happen, right? Yes. And you just get to try new things. And it's funny because sometimes the balance you know, pairing is the one that people like the most. And sometimes it's the accentuate version. Mm. And it really, you just have to play around with it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. And obviously we were speaking before, um, you know, via social media. And I, I remember I asked you, I said, oh, have you, have you ever been to the UK? Have you ever been to London? And you mentioned you hadn't yet. Um, once there is some normality in the world and we are allowed to travel, uh, would you ever come over to London? Yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? Everybody's so nice. And I love your <laughs> accents. I want to hang out with you guys all the time. I feel smarter just being on this podcast with you right now. Uh, I do. I swear. I'm gonna, that's, this is the last episode of the podcast now because of you. You've really, you've really massaged my ego there. Thank you so much. But, um, <laughs> but no, we were honestly, because we, um, up until when lockdown happened, we had... Um, we had Adrian Hoffman, um, who flew in purposely to do a podcast with us, and um, we had an intimate taste in at the Ivy in Richmond, and it was amazing. We, we do regular wine tasting events, um, and obviously, if you are 
to come over, you know, would you be open to doing something like that with our clients? Like giving us, giving us like a, a wine and food pairing, like masterclass? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm always happy to do that. If I'm over there, dude, you're going to see me for sure. We've been friends for a few years. Like, you know, <laughs> I always, I really believe that on social media, you kind of attract your own tribe and I'm very open about how weird I am. And so I feel like a similar type of weirdness is attracted to me like you, you know what I mean? We're both sure. like, even though we might be very different and you might be a little bit more intelligent and articulate and stuff like that, uh, stop, you know, we're stop, still please. of the same vein and of the same mission and in, in creating accessibility and getting people into it. And so I always try to make an effort to see people whenever I go places. I've never been to Europe because I was born in Japan. And so I would always go back home to Japan to visit yes. my family. And so I've literally never gone to Europe. So I've been in New Zealand, but that's the only like really cool place I've gone. And is there, is there anywhere within Europe that you would like to go aside from say London? I mean, you know, I want to do the whole, yeah, yeah. This, the, the everything. It's hard to yeah. choose. Um, I, I'll get there eventually. That's why I think, you know, having a, an online business was but that was part of the appeal for me too, because I really like to travel and I like to, to go places. And so right now I think I'm just grinding, building the community here. And then yeah, I would love to move over and build the community in other places and hang out and do fun stuff, you know, but yeah, I'm always, I would totally be down to hang out with all of you guys. I love That's it. Perfect. Thank you. And obviously going back to your, um, your natural, I said, entrepreneurial, um, attitude, I wanted to make those changes. Um, you know, you, you mentioned recently you, you read a lot of books, uh, most notably, um, you know, or recently, shall I say, Who Moved My Cheese? Um, what, what? Well, it's a 26-page fable, but it's a great it's reminder a of mindset. Yeah, classic. So It good. is a classic. And um, in fact, I just finished reading one by Dr. Wayne Dyer, um, I Can See Clearly Now. That That's... That's a game changer. That would that would just change change your outlook completely, you know. But um, for you for yourself, what what are some of your other rituals, I suppose, which helps keep you grounded, helps keep you focused, and helps allow you when we're dealing with adversity to continue to push through. Aside from you know the reading, is it would it be exercise based? Would it be um, the outlook on your life? Like how how do you approach life? I suppose. Well, we get, before we get off the book thing, I just want to say Blue Fishing by Steve Sims and the four-hour work week. Um, uh, it's so good. Blue yeah. Fishing and the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, I'm a really big proponent of outsourcing. Um, and that means, that doesn't mean just to another country. That means outsourcing the things that I'm not good at. And so what I do is I rate the things that I do on a scale of one to 10 on how much I hate them. And the things that are rated the highest, I let other people do because I want to leverage my strengths instead of focusing on my weaknesses. Because what happens with me is I will get so stressed because I am not using my time efficiently and I'm wasting too much of emotional space in my brain and heart and mind um, trying to do things that I suck at. And so every day when I feel stressed, because ultimately I've never been as busy as I am. I mean, I have, I feel like I've get thousands I, I do get probably 500 emails a day like you know based on all the course signups or wow. you know notifications with that course completions you know like I get a lot of emails every day and a lot of requests from people that I don't want to miss and and honestly sometimes I have these breakdowns you know where I get overwhelmed and I miss things and so it's constantly I think about refining as I'm growing I need to expand the way that I organize that I need to. Um, and also I sit for an hour every morning without my phone. Um, I take one hour every morning and I get up early. So like 6am ish. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do not look at my phone for an hour because I want to wake up and have peace before I start seeing the emails from the East coast. Nice. <laughs> All right. And, and just, and just lastly, um, again, yeah. I'm very envious of of a lot of the wines you've been able to um, to deal with yourself, and obviously you know sample. But is there is there one I suppose that is on that bucket list 
whether it's a specific brand or you know from a specific region and a specific vintage here that you're like okay this is like i suppose your i've made it moment not literally like okay that you know whoopie doo i'm done now but you're like this is why i got involved in this in the first place yeah i very clearly i i 59 obreon and 61 margot Wow. Um, I had them at the same time. Somebody gifted them to Wolfgang, actually. Um, it was okay. his birthday, I think. And they had me open it. They were serving it. And they told me, of course, like, taste it. And I I cried um, because wow. I never liked Bordeaux. I was opposite from you. I, I tasted all this Bordeaux, you know, because at Spago, people would bring in all of their collectible wines, which was okay. really awesome. But I just didn't, you know, younger Bordeaux. It's cool, you know, 82 Lafitte. Oh, okay. Like it was good, but it wasn't like, like soul passion-y sure. looking. I could see sure. how it's very good. So no shade to that, you know, producer or anything, but yeah. it's more about like, I didn't, I didn't fully get it. And then I got it. Um, when I had, you know, the 61 Margot, I felt like, wow, like this is what, what wine is like and this is why people like bordeaux so much this is why they hold it because it was on a completely different level um and i really did like shed a tear like i just i just had to i can relate i can relate there yeah absolutely absolutely so all right so for me like my my greatest one was um the penfolds grange 2008 you know that yeah that was i was i was fortunately fortunate enough that robert robert park was actually doing a tour of uh, of europe back in uh, 2014 and so he was at this uh, major uh, like fine wine shop called hedonism wines which i will take you to when you do come over you you would you would love it um and you got sample like several you know 100 point scoring wines and the Penfolds Grange 2008 for me was just yeah it was just you I still remember it to this day it's really well once it's ingrained it's ingrained you know and it's really good but all right just just lastly then you mentioned of course Bordeaux yeah it's not exactly here to miss you but it's not yes it's Bordeaux what what for you is your your go-to region oh that's so hard Honestly, well, I can tell you some wines that I like. Okay. Well, I really enjoy Alsace just in general. Yes. Um, I think it's just so complex and just beautiful and everything. I just, I usually like it. That'll always make me happy. Um, Shots enough. Uh, yes. If I just am having, you know, I don't really like very tannic heavy reds for the most part. Like in the right scenario, sure. But if I'm just like enjoying on my day off, you know, I just usually don't. I think it just has to do with palate fatigue a little bit because it's just heavy. Mm. But Torbreck Run Rig. Oh, one of my favorite wines. It's Aussie uh, Shiraz from Barossa, and it is ridiculously good. If you have not had it, I highly recommend it immediately. I, it's the only like group of wines that I have in my fridge right now that I really don't touch. Um, really, really, really. like I would cry if somebody opened them because aged Torbreck Run Rig is insanely good. If you like Aussie Shiraz, you got to do it. Uh, Christy, you're, you're, you're preaching to the converted, honestly, right? This is, uh, can you, sorry, could you just see there's that box just there, tour break uh, on the ground. Could you, could you open it? Could you open it? Like, literally, this is an empty bottle. I don't know if you see it, but it's not the run rig. Unfortunately, it's the lead. It's the lead. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. I like run rig. Oh no, Run Rig is Run Rig is amazing. It is insane. It's beautiful. And well, we've got a box here which I, I don't think can be open, but it's uh, the Strewy, still Torbreck, but still no Torbreck. Absolutely, that's yeah. No, you will have a great time when you come here. Honestly, you'll you'll leave with a few bottles as well. That's for sure. But um, fine. No, Christy, I wanted to say, honestly, ma- massive, massive thank you for joining us. Honestly, really appreciate it. You've got a lot going on. Um, as I said, you taking the time out um, to obviously do this with us. Really thank you. Um, whatever we can do to help support your causes, we will definitely, um, you know, do for you as well. Um, I just want to say thank you very much. And for those who are interested in any online wine courses, feel free to uh, click on the links that we we will be providing. Uh, be educational, be fun. You get to drink some great wine. And more importantly, you will have more confidence when we're allowed back into the restaurant. So thank you very much for joining us.